Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Experience Our Industry podcast. As you know, I'm Dr. Brian Greenwood, and I am super excited to be here today with uh, with Justin Schmillen. How are you, Justin? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, thank you. I'm uh, very, very excited to talk to you. Justin and I have known each other for quite some time. Justin was one of uh, one of my uh, first students uh, when when uh, Jerusha and I uh, made the journey out to uh, Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo. Uh, Justin is is actually a a 2007 um, graduate of the program as an undergrad. So he graduated basically the year um, after we we arrived in in San Luis Obispo. But then he got his master's degree here at Cal Poly and, and in our program in 2010. And so um, we got to know each other more through, um, through, through that. And so we'll, we'll talk about that, Justin. But Justin is now currently the recreation manager at uh, the city of Newport Beach. And uh, he's been working for Newport Beach. What has it been? Uh, was it 11 years now or a little? Just 11 a little years, more? yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Wow, that's really exciting. Um, I can think of uh, worse worse places to land than uh, than Newport Beach. <laughs> I can't see my I can't see the ocean from my office, but I can smell the sea air. I'm, you can I'm pretty smell close. Smell it. I yep. love it. I love it. Wow, what a great what a great place to be. So we'll we'll get there and we'll we'll talk all about that, Justin. But uh, let's uh, let the uh, listeners um learn a little bit more about you. Tell us tell us where you're from. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Long Beach, California. Oh, so very close, right? You went yep. um, not quite home again, but uh, close to home. How far is Newport from uh, Long Beach? Uh, it takes about 30 minutes or an hour and a half, depending on what kind of construction and traffic's going on. <laughs> exactly. Depends on whether you know the shortcut. Exactly. You got to take the 10 to the 410. <laughs> <to the, laughs> don't, don't let me go into my SNL. I love it. Here. We'll start rifting. We'll totally get off track here if we start doing that. I know, I know. Oh boy, oh boy. So, what was it? Uh, tell me, tell me what it was like uh, growing up in Long Beach. Were you, were you like a surfer kid? I guess Long Beach isn't really the surf area, though, is it? Yeah, uh, they got the breakwater there, so there's really not a lot of waves that come through. But right, you have Seal Beach, Huntington Beach. That's you know within an easy drive. So right, yeah, I kind of was on the fringe of the surf culture a little bit. I mean, yeah. Played a lot of sports growing up, had a pretty traditional balanced upbringing, um, rec sports, went to church on Sundays. Yeah. The, the beach was an easy, rec- cheap recreational uh, thing to do. So we drive down there on the weekends and then go of camping course. for our bigger trips, take road trips, that sort of thing. Of course. That's better than Burger King, like uh, my hometown. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, where do you go? Burger King. Oh, we cruised around Burger King. <laughs> uh, so what did your parents do when you were growing up? Uh, so my dad, he's had his entire career uh, in the oil production company. So oh. if you've ever been to Long Beach, you've seen probably the oil islands that are out there. They look. I like, was going to say, yeah, I have. Absolutely. Yeah, I know yeah. about that. Uh-huh. They look like little hotels out there, but they're actually concealed uh, drilling rigs. So uh-huh. In 83, when they found out that my mom was pregnant with me, he had to get a big boy job and started uh-huh. off as a forklift operator with that company. And he was there for about 35 years, stayed with the same company, no college degree, and just literally worked his way up to become a warehouse manager for all the, the drilling equipment. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. that's where that's where the loyalty comes. That's where you get that loyalty and being with the same company for a long time. 100%. Same organization for a long time. Okay, I see now. I, I see. What about your mom? My mom, uh, fortunate enough to be stay-at-home mom with my brother and I. Right. Uh, she did some odd jobs here and there. Was a waitress. Works after-school programs uh, periodically. Once my brother and I were old enough, yeah, got to stay home. Um, right. But yeah, just really involved with our academics, volunteering in the classroom, and also right. uh, with our sports teams. Yeah, for sure. Well, we have that in common. My mom was uh, my mom was the same. So, um, so tell me about your brother. I, I you mentioned a brother. Are uh, you guys close in age? Yeah, three and a half years difference. Okay. Um, yeah. You are you little? Just, are you Los little Ve- brother or big brother? I'm big brother. You're big brother. Okay. Yep. yep. Uh, he just moved to Las Vegas. He's been working for a coffee company for about the last five years. Okay. S and D Coffee, which I did a little research. He goes to North Carolina a bunch because they're based out of there. Oh, no um, way. They're based out of Concord. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, Concord. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's yeah. So cool. he, he's been doing that for a while. He was Long Beach lifer, but ready to get out. Mm-hmm. You know, cost of living got pretty expensive down here. And mm-hmm. we have some family out in Vegas and he can basically work remote. So it works well for him. Nice. Well, I can think of worse places to have a brother living. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Las Vegas, right? Yeah. yeah. Now that I'm married and kids, though, I don't get to go. I don't have the uh, luxury of visiting like I would probably normally visit him. No sports right. books. No right. casinos. Right. Well, let those kids get a little bit older. You'll, yeah, you'll, have, you'll have a little more time on your hands. Um, well, 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 yeah, we can um, we can said to that. So uh, recent recent dad. Right. So. Yeah. Uh, so tell us. Uh, tell us about your family right now. Yeah, I got married. Uh, it's been five and a half years ago. I met my wife at an Oktoberfest down here in Anaheim. Nice. If you can imagine that, I was actually... Uh, I can't I mean, imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the Steins, I mean, it's a very uh, it's a very um, welcoming social thing, right? Did you guys uh, did you guys clink Steins and it was love at first sight? That was <laughs> pretty much. I mean, we were sitting at one of those big, long tables. Right. I was at a, at a work party. We couple of us after work went just went to this event and uh-huh. um, one of my co-workers maybe a little overserved got got a little overzealous and started talking to some people across the table and uh-huh. my now wife was one of those people and oh. <laughs> so we ended up hitting it off we closed the place down and uh yeah I ended up getting married about a year and a half later that is awesome that is awesome and now you got uh, you got a um, uh, the living, the living, the dad life, right? The dad life. Yep. Yeah, so two boys, um, two, one will be three in February and the other one's one and a half. Okay. So it's, it's, it's such a fun stage. It's exhausting at the same time, but <laughs> I, I just couldn't be happier uh, being a dad. I was going to say, you always, you always open with that fun. And then you got, then, then there's that exhausting part. Cause, uh, chasing around a three and a one and a half year old, um, Wow, that's uh, that'll that you gotta. I, I'm glad you have a connection to coffee. <laughs> You're right, right. <laughs> absolutely. I feel like I'm in those merit badges. I'm in this special club, right? I just have to. I don't have to say much, and a lot of the dads who've been through it are are right. in it. Actually, they just give you a nod and right, right. The coffee industry is is just genius, right? Because it's like you got to keep keep the kids coming, and uh-huh. then you got to have the parents caffeinated, right? And so uh, it just keeps rolling from there. Exactly. I love it. I love it. That's awesome. So let's talk a little bit about your your journey to Cal Poly. I mean, usually usually there's a connection of some sort, you know, whenever, whenever I have the SoCal kids on, um, you know, there's always, uh, the, the, the uh, obviously Pomona down South. And so when you hear Cal Poly, when you're, you know, in, in the Los Angeles area, a lot of people think of Pomona. Um, uh, but, but so, so what, what drew you, um, what drew you North? My, my path is an interesting one. So I was actually on the path of, of uh, being the forestry major. So oh. after graduating high school, I didn't take my SATs. I knew I was going the junior college route. Um, just, I mean, one for the cost of college and two, because I didn't really know what I wanted to do at that time. So right. couldn't, couldn't commit to a major. Um, right. Did the junior college route and still wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I thought I could be a good elementary school teacher. I've had an affinity for working with kids. Um, but, you know, growing up, I was really never exposed to all of these different sectors. I never really knew the depths of what an engineer or an architect might be doing, never was really shown that. So right. I was kind of left to come up with my own career path based on what my, my likes were. Right. And so growing up, we would camp all the time. I loved being outdoors. And so I kind of saw forestry slash maybe being a park ranger was, was going to be my path. Uh-huh. So did my research and there was really only two or three schools in California that were offering a program that kind of fit with what I wanted. And right. Cal Poly was one. They had the natural resource management program, um, right. forestry major. Mm-hmm. And then Humboldt was the second one. Uh-huh, of course. So looked at the map and I was like, Humboldt's way too far from home. I kind of <laughs> still need that attachment right. to Southern California. Wanted to be close, but not, not too far. Right. Um, so Cal Poly was was one that I was was considering, and through junior college, I actually got a full ride scholarship to Cal State Long Beach. So wow. that was on the table as well. So oh, basically, yeah. had something that was local, familiar, and going to be free, versus Cal Poly, which I'd only visited once. I'd never been up there right. other than one time 
doing a campus tour in the summer. So I'd never seen, I'd never seen Cal Poly with a bunch of students in town. Uh, right. I'd never seen the green Hills before. I just kind of been there on a hot day when nothing was really happening, but <laughs> right, right. in my, in my gut, I just kind of knew I was ready for some adventure. I was ready to kind of get out in a way and, and explore. So I, so I chose Cal Poly and went the forestry route. Okay. Right on. Yeah. So, um, so to give, um, to give the, the listeners who, um, who maybe weren't around during that time, like we, we used to be, so when Justin started the major, um, or, or, or started at Cal Poly, we were actually in the national natural resources management department. We were a program within the natural resources management department. And there was also forestry and, and, um, and a couple of other um, paths within, within that department. Um, so when you first started with the department, you were forestry. I was forestry. Yep. Right. And so um, I assume that maybe then you met Dr. Hendricks or um, I, did you take I, a class that, that you kind of realized that there was another route? Um, how did that go? Exactly. So I made it about four quarters in the forestry major. Yeah. I was enjoying the ecology classes, but some of the science stuff and, you know, the tree nomenclature was, was a little over my head. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it was really that that degree was missing, missing a social component. I really liked the, sus- the customer service and interacting mm-hmm. with people. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of these things were, were fun and enjoyable for me from an experience standpoint, like going out and planting trees and learning about the logging industry. But um, yeah, I just needed that social social interaction, and I took Marnie's uh, Rec 101 class, which was actually uh, one of the requirements for the forestry major. And it I just, was it was a yeah, requirement felt, for the forestry major. Uh, it might have been for my minor. Okay, or maybe it was an elective. Yeah, it probably but, wasn't a requirement. It was just an elective. So you probably ran randomly gotten the Rec 101. Wow, I made it a requirement for myself to get. There you go. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It ended up being a requirement. So, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so once, so Dr. once I took that class, once I took that class and experienced it, um, I was like, yeah, this is, this is it. They're seeing the tourism opportunities. There was that environmental education and outdoor recreation component there. Mm-hmm. Um, I just felt like it was a very natural transition for me. So, um, great. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And you know, um, I think we've had um, over the years, we've had a number of, of students kind of within that little path, right, that, that are more interested in environmental education and, and, and like you said, like parks, being a park ranger. And that's not really what forestry, you know, that's not really the, I mean, you can take that forestry route because obviously um, there's, there's the national, national and state forests yep. um, and, and there, there is sort of a, a path there. But like you said, the the, the um, there's not as much of a social science piece to those degree paths, right? Um, and so, uh, yeah, that's really that's really interesting that 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 you that you took that uh, took that angle. I, I love it, and um, and I guess the the rest is history, so to speak, right? So you yeah. became. I know that you were really involved in the major and, um, and got, um, you know, uh, made a name for yourself while you were here. And, um, because I know when I got here, uh, in, um, in 2006, uh, you were, uh, you know, you were rising senior and I remember all the buzz was, was, uh, Schmillen and, um, Schmillen and Baker and, uh, the whole crew. And, uh, and so, uh, yeah, that's really that's really awesome. So let's talk about um, let's talk about that path afterwards. So you you ended up um, for some odd reason wanting to stick around San Luis Obispo. I mean, I can't imagine why anybody would want to do that, but um, to to get your master's degree, right? Um, so let let's talk about that path. Yeah. So you know, while I was at Cal Poly, I was working a ton of different jobs. I was working for ASI. I was working for the athletics department as an event staff. Doing crew co corner, passing out hot dogs and beers. Yeah. Um, I worked for the Dolphin Bay Hotel and Resort. I was parking cars, so I had the tourism thing. Summer times I worked as a backcountry ranger. So I was I was kind of in all of these different little jobs, really trying to feel out my path. Yeah. Uh, but again, I kind of went back to that park ranger trajectory. Uh Kirk Sturm, who was one of the instructors there at the time. Yeah. He was a retired still is. Is he? Okay, great. Still is, yeah. Yeah. He was a retired state park ranger and in one of his classes, he had talked about 
um, just how great of a career it was. Great, great benefits, great retirement, um, and you know, great opportunity to go to these different state parks throughout California. You could work at, um, you know, Huntington State Beach. You could be up at Hearst Castle. Just great diversity with uh, wherever you get placed. So, I I got on that path and started applying for those positions. Um, it was about an 18, 18 month recruitment process going through all the different testing, um, but ended up getting getting hired through California State Parks was on their eligibility list, and they put out a put out a list of of places where I could work at the different state parks. So I was able to look at the two lists, right? And I was I was pretty low on the eligibility list just because I didn't really have any state park experience. There was other lifeguards and park aides that had been in the system, so they got higher priority. And then I kind of looked at the different placements of where I could be working. So, you know, at the top of the list, like I said, you got Hearst Castle, you got Morro Bay, you got the Dunes, all of these great places that would be a wonderful place to land. But then as you started to get to the bottom, again, started noticing places that were up in the boondocks, pretty far north, out in the desert, just a little bit of undesirable. So um, decided not to go that path and decline that position. And found a part-time or full-time job, temporary seasonal in uh, Lake Tahoe, working as a snow reporter. Oh, so that was my little stopgap in between um, making that choice with California State Park Ranger not taking that job, and then trying to figure out what my next next step was going to be. Right. Tell me what a snow reporter does. <laughs> snow reporter gets up at about four in the morning, gets to the office, sends out uh, email distribution to let. You know, anyone who's uh, basically signed up wants to know what the snow totals are for the day or what the conditions are going to be like. Send out an email. I was printing out all the trail maps. Um, then I'd ride up the lift. I had a little spot that I'd post up at and I'd get on the phone and I'd call the news stations, call the radio stations and do like a little five minute blurb about what the conditions are and basically promote uh, North Star Ski Resort. Come on out and come ride. Nice. And now you said you, you took the lift up and you did that from the top? Uh, yeah, there was like a little spot that um, they had designated where I'd basically do my spiel. and then Give your spiel? Yeah. And then the rest of the day, I'd, I'd ride the lift. And do, <laughs> I was going to uh, say, and then, then you just like, and then you benefit from what you just reported. Yeah. Yeah. Do the snow, nice. snow reporting aspect in the morning. And then second half of the day, I'd ride up and down the chairs talking with people and filling out surveys, customer no. satisfaction surveys. No way. Yeah. Oh man, that sounds awesome. <laughs> the only downside was I had to dig out my car probably about oh, half of the days that I lived up there. That was <laughs> that was pretty brutal and getting up early in the morning. But yeah, other than that, it was pretty fun. Digging out your car at 3 a.m. is not to be yeah. able to get to work at 4 a.m. is not necessarily the the glamour part of that job, but uh, but uh, still, um, what wow, what an experience! So, so then back to, to get your master's. Um, so tell us about what that experience was like. Now, um, we are, we are currently our, our master's program is currently suspended. We're, we're um, now I, I shouldn't I have to clarify what that means. That doesn't mean like we um, that doesn't mean like we said naughty words at school and we ended up in in school suspension. Um, <laughs> it, it, we, we've temporarily stopped uh, the graduate program and we're trying to figure out what what um, direction that we want to head. You know, we've kind of we've doubled down on undergraduate research and um, just trying to figure out what we want to do with the master's program. But we did for um, I guess it was probably. I'm not sure the exact dates of our graduate program, but at, at least 2000 through 2018, maybe I think it was. Okay. Um, so, uh, so Justin was a part of that in in getting his master's degree in 2010. Tell us what you tell us what you studied. What was your thesis on all, all of that and and um, the experience of that? Yeah. So, so Jeff Jacobs, who was one of the professors at the time. Um, recruiting me back to that master's program. Yeah. And he was doing some research on this affinity for nature scale, um, American campus association accredited scale, essentially that looks at, um, kids changes in perspective, changes in, uh, emotional experience, um, after engaging in these nature-based experiences. So that essentially was, was my thesis to see, um, see if there was any change in impact with these kids who um, 
predominantly had not had any of these nature-based experiences before right? and see what the pre and the post results looked like. Um, so I loved it. I Doing the whole statistical analysis and the deep dive into the research, mm-hmm. I think that was just really scratched an itch for me that I, that I love. Awesome. Um, I've always yeah. grown up, like I always read box scores. I love, you know, the fantasy analytics, that sort of thing. Right. And so this was, this was an arena that, that really jived with, um, you know, what I was studying and what, right. what I was passionate about. Yeah. Really cool. That's awesome. And, uh, and shout out to Jacobs. Um, I'm, I'm sure many people who will listen to this, um, uh, remember the, the Jeff Jacobs years. And, um, so, uh, just uh just a, a great dude and um I, I hope if he he listens i hope he he hears us uh give him a shout out there so what a great mentor to have through that process yeah. um so so then you know you ended up you ended up landing um for a couple of years you 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 managed to continue to stay local after getting your master's degree and um and got your got your start in um in Avila Beach uh, as a program coordinator in municipal parks and recreation. Probably a little bit different, right? Because um, Avila is so small. Yep. Um, what, what was that like? Um, uh, I imagine you, you got to wear lots of hats, right? Yep. So I, I was the only only person that was working there. So I was going to say, were you the only one? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. It, was a, it was a brand new position. So the Avila Beach Civic Association is this little community organization. Um, their, their operations are basically funded by the Avila Beach Community Foundation that got a bunch of settlement money from the oil spills back in 98. Right. So they they were able to fund this 20-hour-a-week position um, to basically run operate or create operations for this brand-new facility that they had. It was a two-story facility, had a multi-purpose room on the top, small meeting room on the bottom, and... Um, Terry Eberhardt, who was an ex-director for City of San Jose, was on their was on their board, and he was essentially my boss, and wanted to create recreation programs, have special special events for the community, mm-hmm. uh, rent out the facility for birthday parties for the locals. Mm-hmm. Um, so he basically passed me the reins, and I got to create everything from scratch and wow. try to create community partnerships to have a full blown uh, rec operation out of that facility. Wow. Well, I mean, you know, I was involved in um, some other things at that time, you know, trying to trying to work my butt off to try to get promoted and whatnot. But um, I, I really I don't I don't remember. I didn't remember that you did that. Um, but that sounds like a really it sounds like a really cool experience to get to kind of start things from scratch. And I'm sure that kind of that, that that was uh, must have been an, a unique experience. Yeah, it- <laughs> Terry was such a, such a great mentor. I mean, for being relatively green and again, this new position, he, he gave me a long leash, uh, still a lot of trust in me, you know, let me try and make mistakes, fail at some things, um, and really just guided me along the way. So I think that really stuck with me throughout my career is just that mentorship component with, with some of my staff and and just other professionals that I come, come across along the way. Okay. Um, You know, again, being my, my first boss with my first first job right. could have been a lot different experience. He could have been a lot more rigid and of course, yeah. um, you know, kind of created the direction for, for the Avila Beach Civic Association. But, you know, he left it up to me. I got to create the website. Remember GoDaddy.com? I signed <laughs> yeah. up for one of those websites and kind of figured out how to create a landing page for them. And oh, yeah. You wrote policies up, and procedures for the facility. I mean, you, I did you it called all. called up Danica Patrick and she helped you with the GoDaddy site? <laughs> right. Chad Ochocinco, too. <laughs> that's, a, that's old school. Nobody's going to know that reference. Like, Wasn't she the original uh, GoDaddy uh, advertiser? I think she was, yeah. I think she Super was, too. I remember those. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, that's wild. So, so you know, now um, leading up, obviously, at the beginning, we talked about you, you um you're you are now the uh, recreation manager for the city of Newport Beach, and you've worked your you've worked your way up. Um, you know, starting as a as as most people do, starting as a recreation coordinator and um, and, and going through the ranks there to from from um, from coordinator to supervisor to now manager. And if I'm if I'm correct, it's that's it's almost like you're an associate director now, right? As a recreation manager, you're sort of 
nearing the top. Is that correct? Yep. So there's there's two positions above me. There's a deputy director, um, and then there are directors. So right, right. Part of the management team, but there's yeah, we do have our our executives at the top there. Right, right on. So, um, so you know, I obviously with our with our shift from um, to experience industry management, you've you've probably heard me say this to a couple of the other municipal recreation folks that, I, that I've spoken to. Um, you know, we, we want to make sure that, that our, our alumni don't think that we're leaving, leaving them behind, leaving recreation behind. And, and in fact, uh, we, we most assuredly are not. And, um, and you'll be happy to hear that, um, we are working on, um, we are working on creating two degrees, um, in the depart the experience industry management department, um, one will be um, uh, special uh, the the special event side, right? So um, of event and experience management, and then the other we're we're going to we're going to call recreation, tourism, and sport management. So recreation will will continue um, to be a part, and we will actually create a recreation concentration um, that we we do not currently have, and so. Um, you know, um, I, I think one of the things that's that's really exciting for us is that you know we we have um, some some um, uh, I don't want to call them old school. Um, I was about to say old school recreation people, but they're not old school at all. They're like uh, contemporary modern recreation people, right? So uh, obviously, Steph Stevens, um, who you who you know well with. Um, CPRS um, and 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 this whole aspect of co-creating experiences resonates with um, with with recreation, resonates with sport management, with tourism, with all with all of our different sectors. And so, I want you, if you if you will, Justin, I've always considered you uh, 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 a. Uh, a hip guy who can who can sell stuff and so sell our listeners on um, municipal recreation on going down that path. Sell sell them on. Well, first of all, you just threw me off. You just called me a hip guy. Like I just <laughs> dated myself with GoDaddy references and. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, like you were the popular kid when I got here, you know, smelling. So uh, it's like uh, when I when I came to Cal Poly, I'm like, oh, OK, I got to get in with this guy because he's uh, he's one of the he's one of the popular seniors uh, in the major. But uh, yeah, I so, think I was so, riding some people's coattails. Yeah, right. <laughs> right, right, right. But but no, in all seriousness, I know that you're I know that you are. Um, that you you've built a great career for yourself, you know, with uh, over 11 years in Newport beach. And I think sometimes, um, our, our students, uh, gravitate towards the sexy, um, right. And, and when I say sure. sexy, you know, maybe that's working for a professional sport team or, or, um, you know, working for one of the big tech corporations and events or, or whatnot. Um, but a, a career in municipal recreation can be a really enriching path. And so um, that, that's what I mean. Like, tell us, tell us what that path's been like and, and, um, and why you, you find so much value in it. Yeah, um, I think the biggest thing comes down to just being a public servant and giving back to the community. Yeah, um, you're right. We don't have the flashy draw of private sector, you know, remote working, being able to negotiate your salary, yeah. office perks like you know some of these tech companies might have. Right. Um, that's just that's just not really part of of working for a local government. Right. Um, but what you do get, you do get stability. Um, there's some consistency here, and you, again, you get to work with your community. So um, I work about 20 minutes away, but Newport Beach has become my second home. Uh, getting to know community members on a personal basis. Our, it's kind of random, but our our mayor from last year is actually friends with my my wife through a Bible study. Oh, cool! So he actually came to our wedding before he came mayor, and oh, so wow. you just start to learn about all these little interconnections, and and yeah. we're really here to serve the public. So it, it was a little bit of a shift. I'll, I won't lie. I mean, when I came out of recreation management, I was thinking kind of I had that private sector mentality of managing. Yeah, uh, recreational activities, and it took a little bit of time because I didn't have the public administration background or the poli science um, 
experience. It, it took a little bit of a shift, but I've, I've definitely hit this mm-hmm. hit this stride where we're here to serve our residents. And so, uh, you know, a lot of active listening when a community member has a complaint or an idea, you sit down and listen and and vet it and see if you can make it work and get get feedback. I do a lot of playground maintenance and uh, capital improvement projects. So mm-hmm. rather than just putting a playground out there that I think is going to be cool, we mm-hmm. go through the public process and we have community meetings and get feedback. And right. at those community meetings, it, it might completely shift to something completely different about homelessness in the park or, um, you know, the restrooms not being clean. But that's our opportunity to hear what needs to be done and act accordingly. Right, right. Well, you know, as you're talking, um, all I can all I can think about is Leslie Nope, and um, and <laughs> you so, know, so, and so I think uh, I think a lot of generations of of kids and and people through Parks and Recreation, right, are sure. like. Are, are, are like visualizing those um, those 100%. community meetings and and in actuality, I think Parks and Recreation did a pretty good job of, of what yeah. that's like. I mean, they can go off the rails, and you know we've seen. I mean, you know, geez, when you think about over the last uh, you know six months or so, we've seen school board meetings go off the rails with people you know, out spouting all kinds of crazy stuff. And, 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 you know, but that's part of being in a community. That's part of being um, a a public servant, like you said. And I think it's, I think it's, um, I think it's really fascinating and interesting. And, and while obviously parks and recreation, the show um, lampooned that element um, I, I think at its core, if you are a really big um, fan of the show, at its core, Leslie Nob cared so much about her community that it, it really actually did show that public servant element mm-hmm. to it. Would you, would you agree with that? I don't know if I'm... Absolutely. Going. Absolutely. And I think, you know, another component is we bring a lot of stability to the community as things kind of come through us. So, yeah you know, special events, we we've evolved with our special events. It's not just kind of your traditional community-based event. That's got a couple arts and craft tables out there and a bounce house. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, a lot of the special events that different organizations put on come through our offices for special event permits. Yeah. And we're that stable agency that vets everything from their parking plan to their emergency plan to how they're, um, you know, selling, selling alcohol at a facility. I mean, making sure they're essentially following the city's policies, city ordinances, and yeah, making sure everything goes off without a hitch. So while we're not necessarily the creative body cre- coming up with these ideas, we are a part of that special event process. Um, right. And it's just a different, it's a different side of the coin for, for those sorts of experiences. Right. And you're also putting on your own special events as well. Right. And so, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, I think there's, there's definitely freedom and creativity in that too. We get to, Again, goes back to listening to the community, figuring out what they want, right? Um, and, and pivoting. I mean, we pickleball is is a great example. I don't know if you've ever played or even heard of the sport, but you know, it's so funny that pickleball keeps coming up. I uh, I, I I did a study for the uh, United States Tennis Association a few years back. Uh, Doctor Doctor Kerry Schwab and I did, and um, and I've recently um, got another. I've got another project that I'm going to be working on with them, but. But part of the the previous study that I did for 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 USTA, um, it involved trying to figure out what their members' thoughts were related to pickleball, mm-hmm. and so um, and then recently I've been invited to a pickleball game, and then like this past week it popped up in my email that I guess like pickleball is exploding. Um, not only in the grassroots recreationally, but also at the professional level, like the, they're, um, they've got a, they just signed a contract with like Fox sports yeah. to, to, uh, to, 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 you know, display the national pickleball championship. But, uh, um, but so, so tell me, tell me your pickleball uh, story. So it's been about eight years. I was working at the senior center and I got a call from our director at the time who said, Hey, we got a resident who's interested in this sport pickleball. And they were, they were basically passing, passing off this responsibility to me. They wanted me to like reach out to the community member and see what they were talking about. Squash this pickle nonsense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like just see what they're talking about. Pickleball, this doesn't make any sense. Right. So I spoke with the resident and they were, you know, they had played this sport. 
I don't remember where, but had a good experience and we're interested in bringing pickleball courts to Newport beach. Uh-huh. But again, at the time there wasn't a whole lot of interest in the sport, but we agreed to run uh, a free clinic. So we partnered with some volunteers, purchased some uh, temporary nets, got a few paddles together. And we ended mm-hmm. up having about 80 people come out to try this sport. Wow. And literally seven years later, we have four permanent courts uh-huh. that just go gangbusters. We're actually in the process of negotiating a lease with a community association for some land to develop eight more courts wow. so we can expand our play. Yeah. I mean, you see pickleball paddles in Costco and Dick's Sporting Goods now, it's gone completely mainstream. And if you had it's told me that huge. seven years ago, I would have told you it's a complete joke. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I've gotten into golf and um, I'm actually been considering pickleball as my second sport, like to, on days where, uh, where I'm not playing golf because I, I really need to, to get moving every day, you know, and, um, and I can see pickleball being a potentially fun, I've never done it, but I could see it being really fun. I was I mean, terrible at tennis, but I was terrible at tennis. I think because of um, the, reasons why i might be okay at pickleball <laughs> how's, your, how's your ping pong skills yeah okay. i grew up playing ping pong um i i um it got to a point where it got a little too fast for me to be okay. honest with you you know i'm like i i uh i i can i'm i'm like um i if you if you went if you if you said okay we're gonna we're gonna top the skill level at mediocre okay right I think I could be a mediocre champion, <laughs> <laughs> but I bet you, I bet you are like one of those that like get the, gets the, like, uh, the English and like doing it like super fast. No, I didn't have I the first gum set I up in my, in my yeah, garage I, or anything like that. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If someone says, if someone says, yeah, I'm an okay pick, I'm an okay ping pong player. I can pretty much, I'll, I'll almost guarantee I can beat them. But if they get a little bit more serious, no, nah, I can't do it. <laughs> I, think I think pickleball is going to be right up your alley. I mean, it's got a relatively easy learning curve. Ah. Um, I mean, and, and most of it's about socialization anyways. That's right. that's the great part is you play in doubles. And, right. you know, tennis, you'll see a couple people hitting the ball back and forth. But yeah, the, these pickleballers are so social and so much fun. They end up having right. little get-togethers after they play. I mean, that's that's really what it's been about for these baby boomers that are coming in. and Right. What's been good about the sport is it's trickling down to the younger generations. We're seeing yeah. it. PPE yeah, because classes and yeah, I mean, it sounds like it's here to stay. It's easy for kids to pick up. Yeah. Sure. And it's all, you know, it's um, I kind of I it kind of seems almost a little bit like snowboard versus skiing to me. You know, like when I I skied in, in North Carolina, I like went skiing once, maybe twice a year and trying to learn skiing once maybe twice a year it's tough because yep. it's kind of hard you know but snowboard i mean you know after a week of snowboarding i was way better at snowboarding than i ever was at skiing and um it just seems like that you know that learning curve is so much higher and uh yeah it, feel, it feels that way with pickleball too and that's actually one of the things we discovered through our usta study was that very social there's not all this like back and forth about the competition and levels and all of this. Anybody can play anyone. Mm-hmm. It's not like, um, you know, if I get out there with, um, if I get out there with a good tennis player, there's no way I can't stay on the court with them. Right. Right. But if I'm on the court with a pickleball, it is more social. It is kind of just more volleying. Right. Sure. I mean, it gets pretty intense. The competitive levels. Sure. I mean, yeah, they play sure. hard. Like you said, it's on ESPN, yeah. you know, out in uh, Palm Desert. They yeah. got full-on facilities where they're hosting yeah. tournaments. We just right. had a tournament here in Newport Beach at the private club that has like 16 courts. I think the purse was something like $50,000, something like wow. that. Wow. And it was the doubles. I think the doubles partners was like someone who was in their mid-40s and like a 15-year-old that were partnered together. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. something unique like that. So That's cool. It's It's a cool sport. Nice. Well, let's um let's talk a little bit more about this municipal recreation, right? And so, um, tell me if I were, let's say I'm a a twenty year old interested trying to figure out my path. Mm-hmm. Um, what advice what advice would you would you give me if I were even remotely interested in municipal recreation? Sure. Um, well, I'd, I'd reach out to your local parks and rec organization. So, if you're in San Luis Obispo, City of San Luis. 
um, go talk to someone who's actually in the job. And, yeah. and I, from what I've learned, a lot of recreational professionals are more than willing to open their door and, and share their story. Yeah. Um, and if you can, if you can find a part-time job doing something within a, a rec division uh, with the, with your city, get involved. Some, some stuff is seasonal. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's not a full-time commitment, but just get your feet wet and kind of figure out, figure if out. It's something you like it and learn about what that upper trajectory looks like. Cause obviously everyone's looking for full-time work and want to be able to support their family and have good retirement. So figure out what those steps are going to be and just start networking. Uh, California parks and recreation society is our professional organization here in the state of California for, for municipal recreation. And it's, it's just, there's so many professionals who have a variety of experience, a variety of connections. It's a great starting point to get plugged into. Um, there's volunteer opportunities. We offer a bunch of different trainings um, at the district and regional level, and you can just get involved in that in that sort of way to meet people or to learn. Um, mm-hmm. The opportunities are endless, and and really, I mean, it it takes someone taking the initiative to to figure that figure that out. I mean, the job market's going to be competitive, but really, you're your best advocate and. I really, whenever I have someone who comes in and says, Hey, what's the next step? It's like, get out there and and talk to somebody and come alongside. I mean, it's name recognition. Like you were talking about, apparently I did something right where I kind (laughs) of knew who I was. Yeah, Um, that's right. And and those sort of things are intangible. Well, you were involved. You were, you were at things, you know, like when I, and, um, and that's how I I got to know your name and the names of others like Ryan Baker, like we've mentioned Baker here uh, a couple of times, but, uh, Ryan Baker is one of uh, Justin's best friends in the, in the major and, um, and, uh, and connected through the master's program and whatnot. Also, um, they both got master's degrees from, from, uh, from our, our program, but, um, yeah, such great advice, Justin, you know, I mean, I, when I was, when I was in school, um, at the university of North Carolina, um, my first, uh, my first exposure other than youth sports, you know, so many of us have connections with parks and recreation departments because of our youth sports experiences. Um, but when I was in school, I I ended up being a volunteer coach. And so I was the volunteer coach for a a fall baseball team. Mm -hmm. And, um, and they thought I did a fabulous job. And so the, um, one of the recreation coordinators was like, Hey, we've got a part-time position as, um, and they called it recreation supervisor, but it wasn't your level recreation supervisor. It was just, it was like, it was like a sports supervisor, I should say. Yeah, it was a sports supervisor. And so I would go and like set up the net for adult volleyball. Right. And then I'd keep score and I'd keep them from like, you know, uh, you know, fighting each other (laughs) over, over points and stuff. And, and, you know, and and then I did that for, for baseball and softball and all kinds, and there's all kinds of opportunities through parks and recreation um, departments, whether it be refereeing um, kid basketball, or whether it be um, a a lifeguard at the aquatic center, or um, like you said, a volunteer with a special event. There's so many opportunities um, to get involved and to, to grow your experience. And, and, and like you said, with, with CPRS um, as a professional association, that's something no matter what you're interested in, getting plugged into that professional association that's a, that's, um, that serves the area that you're interested in getting involved can really help you. Can you talk about that a little bit more? I know you've been really involved with with CPRS. What is, what is that meant for your, for your career? Yeah. I mean, it started out at Cal Poly. So um, I forget what year it was, but the, the major took, I think it was like 40 students. We all went to conference. Yep. And in March, we hope they hold this annual conference where there's learning opportunities, there's social opportunities, really just bringing all of the professionals together, get yep. them under one roof and, and <laughs> let them marinate together, exchanging ideas, yeah. Learning about what's going on in other people's communities, uh, beg borrowing and stealing, you know, different program ideas, different special event ideas. Yeah. Um, really just kind of reinforcing what recreational programming and, and, and running rec programs is all about. Right. So, so it really started out there where it kind of opened my eyes to, to what professional networking looks like. Um, and then when I got this job with city of Newport beach, 
our agency is very active and encourages um, all of our, our all of our employees to be engaged with the professional organization at the district level, which is predominantly here in Orange County. So whether that's attending these training opportunities just to learn new things or actually getting involved on the back end and being a committee chair to run programs or put on social events. Um, we have a scholarship arm that actually does uh, review scholarship applications and, and awards different scholarships to students. You can be involved in any one of those components. Um, but again, it really all kind of brings it back to this networking opportunity. And that's how I've made my connections. Actually, after this, uh, this podcast today, I'll be jumping on um, an interview panel for City of Irvine with Corey Lakin. Oh, right uh, on. Yeah, he reached out to me and was asking if I could uh, sit on this interview panel. So right. it's just those little things, right? We always, yeah. We're always looking for help when it comes to recruitments. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as I said on this interview panel, there's, I already recognized a couple names that I've seen from CPRS um, right. who I've maybe networked with or met at a conference before. Now, they obviously have to go through the interview process and do well, right. but there's there's a little bit of an advantage there where, hey, yeah. that's that's name recognition. There's a For comfort. Sure. I've had people tell me, hey, I was so glad to see you on the interview panel because it set my nerves at ease. Right. Um, you know, now Corey's going to ask my opinion about some people, and I know that he probably trust my my judgment when it comes to recruitment. So that's going to give him more confidence when he's making that that right. selection for his position. So so right. all of these things just kind of combine to to make your job easier, make stronger decisions in the workplace. Okay. Um, and again, I, I don't even know how my involvement is going to impact my career five, 10 years down the road because I'm right. looking for promotional opportunities or looking to recruit other people. I mean it's it, it's just this it's just really cool organization that that provides these sorts of things right exactly and 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 i would think also really helps you with that upward mobility as well because um you know no matter no matter where or what sector you're in obviously you're you're looking and thinking about advancement and you're thinking about what your career might look like in in five to ten years and um and so I think you I think you stated it really well that those connections that you that you make, um, you know. So when a director position comes up or a deputy director position comes up, you know they go, oh wow, what about Justin? Oh wow, what about Samantha? You know that sort of thing that we met at CPRS last uh, last year. And um, so that's great. How about how about your day to day? I mean, obviously I know that. Um, one of the things about our our experience industry and that that we like so much is that it's not um, y- you know it's not assembly line work it's not the same thing every day um, but but give us an idea of the types of things that you're doing on on a daily basis. Sure. So I, I oversee a number of divisions here with our recreation department, um, youth and adult sports, after school and preschool programs that are staff led. Um, I have a hand in playground maintenance and oversight. There's an open space management component that I oversee. Uh, We have a park patrol division that goes out and enforces rules and educates the public on what they can and can't do. Uh Um, Also oversee a supervisor that does the special event permitting and then field and facility rentals as well. So I have my hand in a lot of different divisions. Yeah. Yeah. And all of this is kind of overseen by full-time staff, part-time staff. Um, out, we have outside contractors that run a lot of our programs as well, community uh-huh. partners and volunteers. So I really see my role as providing that oversight and strategic direction yeah. to all of that and align that with, with the city and department goals that we have. Right. Okay. So, so ultimately you're, you're at the level now where you're, you're doing, a, you're doing a lot of, of the, of the management um, and, yep. and overseeing of, of various various areas. Um, I, I can think of worse things to have to do than to head out to a park and um, and figure out whether it's uh, it's running smoothly or a playground and seeing all the kids you let you you're now you've you've got a couple of um, you got a couple of boys that can test some um, some playground equipment now. Oh, it's great. And that's been a huge paradigm <laughs> shift too, especially especially on that playground maintenance and, yeah. and the safety of it. Um, yeah. Seeing them inter- interface with that equipment, and then it just it gives you a different angle on on when it comes to keeping up with maintenance management and 
coming up with new creative uh, playground designs. Right, right. Yeah, you were you were probably gone, but um, uh, yeah, I think you were gone by by the time that uh that I uh I was starting to bring my like um my little kids to like CPRS and um in NRPA and um the first year I took them I got into a like I got into a kind of a uh not a not an incident but they were like well wait a second you can't bring these kids in I'm like what do you mean you have like all of the playground the like coolest playground equipment in the world here on this convention room floor yeah why can't i bring my four-year-old to try it out oh no 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 we can't do that because of liability i'm like i I, i'll sign whatever waiver go find me a waiver i'll sign a waiver i was like but i'm bringing my four-year-old i'm not i brought my four-year-old all the way to this conference i am not telling her she cannot play on this playground equipment <laughs> so they they let they let me do it but they weren't too happy about it at first and uh i think uh i think now they've probably shifted that and realized that oh okay this is part of the experience like if if people bring their kids yeah sure we should let the kids try out the equipment yeah what what better way to battle test some of your new designs is get some kids on it Right. Who else are we? Who else is it designed for? Right. Yeah. So that's funny. It well, is pretty tough. funny see, seeing a bunch of adults and professionals climbing on those jungle gyms and I know running, running down slides and stuff. I know. But then they're like, kids? Whoa, no, no, yeah. no, no kids. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean, no kids? Like, come on. Oh, man. But, uh, but yeah. So those were the days. Yeah. Justin was around back in the days where. Yeah, I think our, I think we topped out at sixty. I think we had sixty at one of the uh, California Park and Recreation Society conferences, wow. and um, you know, with COVID and all, that's taken a little bit of a backseat. But we're gonna hopefully bring that back uh, here real soon as um, as more and more uh, as more and more we 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 open back up. Hopefully, we don't have to shut back down, but. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we won't we won't get into that too much. But um, I just want to thank you so much, Justin, for taking the time and giving back. And you've always had that mentality of wanting to wanting to help where you can and wanting to pay it forward. And so I'm sure if um if uh, if any students are interested in uh, in municipal parks and recreation, I'm sure that you would uh, love for them to reach out to you on LinkedIn and make a connection and. Um, and uh, yeah, just really appreciate you uh, taking the time today. Absolutely. It was wonderful catching up, Ryan. Thanks for the time. Absolutely. See ya. See ya.